Welcome to Oscar Sunday. I'm Austin Johnson. I'm Connor Izagari. And today we're going to be talking about Akira Kurosawa's masterpiece from 1985, Ran, which received four nominations at the 58th Academy Awards. Got one win for Best Costume Design. Uh, the other nominations were Best Director for Mr. Kurosawa, uh, Best Cinematography, and Best Art Direction. All rightfully so. You know, this is a breathtaking, breathtaking film here. What what I'm curious about is uh, where's the best foreign language film uh, love? What's going on there? Yeah, that is weird. Kurosawa did not get nominated for that often, despite the output and the respect that he commanded in the film industry. It is strange that Ran would be up for director, but not best foreign film. Yeah, it's it's his only best director nomination uh, after a after a. It, let's you know. Let's just go ahead and get into it. Ran is you know 1985. I mean, the dude had been for 50, 40, 50 years already crushing it and kind of redefining what it meant to be, you know, an auteur, to be a writer, director, someone who can do both, uh, adapt, make their own stuff, direct the shit out of movies, whether they're you know small scale or the grandest scale like Ran. He he had already done given enough, but he had to go out with one last bang here. You know. Uh, he died. He died in the late '90s, so this is this is one of the last movies he does. I think he only does two or three afterwards, and I mean, this is just as as good as it can get for a guy like him. And uh, that best director nomination, I'm glad it did happen, but he deserved other ones prior. You know, uh, just took the Academy forever to get there. So yeah, it is very interesting. You know, Rashomon uh, 1950 is a movie that you know, won like an honorary award, right? For, for best foreign language film. What you're going to give it four nominations to Rand, but you're not going to give best foreign language film. It's just so odd. I don't, under, I, I'll never understand the Academy. Uh, it's just, it, it's not for us to understand, you know, it's just for us to, to fucking talk about. So I love this movie. I can't wait to talk about it later. Uh, it, I, I wrote on my letterbox review that it, it redefined the word epic for me. I was just like, holy shit, there, there's a lot going on on the screen. It is so beautiful, so mesmerizing. At times, I forgot I needed to read subtitles. You know, it was that kind of, it was that kind of, you know, beautiful filmmaking um, all across the board. Score, cinematography, costume design, all that stuff is just off the charts. So I'm super excited that we chose this movie for this episode. It's technically our first 2023 proper episode because last week we did a, a draft and we didn't really give awards out to an individual movie. So it feels cool to kind of start the year off with a not a random movie, but a little bit off the beaten path for what we're used to. We don't do a ton of foreign foreign films, but we've we've knocked out a few, including Kurosawa, episode 25 on this show or 24, 20 somewhere in there. Well, we did rush him on. We were both, you know, that was kind of our first time going to Kurosawa and really checking out his stuff. So it kind of feels like we've come full circle. Yeah, anytime we tackle foreign cinema, it always feels rewarding. It always feels like we're, you know, 
stepping out of our comfort zone and experiencing new cultures and new ways of making film. And especially, you know, Kurosawa emerged as, you know, the definitive post-war Japanese director, which I love seeing, you know, Japan's culture and filmmaking after the events of World War II is always just fascinating to see. Like, you know, we talked about that when we did Bicycle Thieves, you know, the the desolation of a war-torn country and how it's reflected through their art. And Kurosawa kind of took that and turned it into Japanese, like, I mean, uh, samurai films, which is really neat. And if I, like his, his shit holds up. It really does. Yeah. Which is amazing. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I back in the day when we did Rashomon, I was a little nervous. I was like, you know, can we do this? And now I'm like, fuck, yeah, we can do this. Oh, yeah. And I think through the episode, we were both kind of like, where, where exactly do we go with, with this stuff? We both liked the movie a lot. We were both impacted. And, and and felt felt some kind of you know emotion towards it, but it was hard to articulate exactly what we thought because it was our first time going down the foreign path. So it was ambitious as hell. And here we are. We've done uh, you know uh, Woman in the Dunes, Bicycle Thieves. Uh, we did Parasite. Uh, you know we 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 really want to try to to do more of these movies just because it's it's it is the most rewarding stuff as a cinephile. To, to stretch your wings and, and try to fly a little bit uh, or run in this case. Oh <laughs> uh, man. Uh, before, before I hear what you went through this week, as far as Kurosawa goes, uh, I do want to hear, I think you saw a new release today. We're recording this on Saturday night. Uh, so far, 2023, we both watched, you know, a handful of stuff on our own, but you finally, you went to the theater for the first time in 2023. So tell us about that. Yeah, I had gift cards, and uh, I wasn't <laughs> intending to see this, but reviews were surprisingly, like, overwhelmingly positive. And uh, Caleb pretty much convinced me. He's like, you got to see this. And so I'm like, all right, why not? So I went and saw Megan, uh, the new horror sci-fi killer robot doll movie. You know, there's one every few years. Yeah. And uh, this thing's supporting a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. Apparently, it's the first ever Certified fresh January horror release. That's good. Good to hear. Yeah. Which is pretty crazy. Uh, I'm, that might be might not be entirely accurate. I think it's like the first week release. I don't know. It it had some milestone in that department, but um, it's pretty much you know Terminator meets Child's Play. Pretty predictable, but uh, the person who plays the doll was uh, it was a uh, one actress was the physical doll and one actress was the voice and in tandem they were both fantastic uh towards the end it gets gets going for it was good uh three and a half stars kind of a probably a seven uh but decent good way to start out the year nothing too incredible but you know good 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 to hear you know this has got a real interesting trailer you know i think it's intending to get you intrigued but also kind of make you laugh you know uh, it has that it has that element to it of a horror movie where you're just kind of like this is so wild that i'm kind of having just a good time and I, I do like that every now and again so i am intrigued i probably won't go see it in theaters but i will probably check it out when it comes to some kind of service uh later on you know but uh yeah january and february usually you know kind of dumpuary type type months where just stuff comes out typically bad horror movies come out around this time uh, so it is nice to hear, you know, that maybe 
maybe that's changed a little bit at least, at least this year. Yeah, a bit. Uh, it's yeah. I'm. It actually reminded me a lot of the Child's Play remake from 2019. Okay. Very very similar story, very similar trajectory, but this was loads better. Like this is what that should have been. Okay, I like that. I like to hear that. Uh, what what else? What else have you been getting into? I know you know you you've been kind of doing the Kurosawa thing, but what else have you have you watched? Well, in the midst of uh, trans, uh, like you know, putting all of my uh, filmgasm reviews onto Letterbox has been my priority for the past week, which has been interesting. Wait, which is about uh, it's a little over two thousand reviews. Uh, so one at a time by hand took three days. Copy, paste. Yeah. Or well, hold on. Select all. Copy. Paste. Yeah. Re- then I also repeat. had to choose, I had to pick the date because Letterbox lets you pick the date of the review and all my reviews are dated. So I was able to make like a retroactive diary, which was good. That that felt good. I didn't want them all to just be, you know, this week. That would have been that would have made me look yeah. crazy. Connor's Connor's watched how many movies in, in January? Yeah. Two thousand already. I'm doing great. Like my numbers are great. But um yeah, so other than that, uh, you know, I've been trying to watch some stuff. Um, I rewatched Batman Assault on Arkham, which was cool. That's a DC animated film that takes place between, I mean, the uh, Batman Arkham game continuity between Origins and Asylum, where the Suicide Squad has to get into Arkham to steal intel from the Riddler because Waller was careless. And uh, it's pretty good. Pretty good. It's a good Suicide Squad movie. Um uh, one of Kevin Conroy's Batman performances too. So that was uh, rest in peace. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, other than that, I believe I also watched uh, the documentary 13th on, ne- on Netflix, which was infuriating. Yeah. Ava, Ava DuVernay, uh, Ava DuVernay, sorry, uh, at her finest there. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, a brutally honest tale of black oppression in the United States and, you know, connecting it to the prison system and, how disgustingly, you know, uh, financially driven that whole industry has become. And uh, I never thought about the 13th Amendment having a loophole and how, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of the suppression has been to take the vote away from minorities, which is unreal. I, I, it was. I was just, you know, fuming the whole time. It's a it's a great watch. I recommend everyone check out check it out just so you can learn something about the way our country really operates. Yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely, it caught my attention when it came out, you know, uh, I believe in 2016, I want to say is when it came out. So it, it, it ties in with who our president was at the time. Uh, there's like some really, really jaw dropping moments, uh, really, really good filmmaking from, from Ava where there's, you know, audio of our president at the time, along with what's happening, you know, years and years ago, it, how it matches up, how the history just repeats itself. And it was very, very frightening and, and had a bit of a, Oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm not black. If I watch this, at least I know what's going on. I think a lot of people looked at it that way. Uh, I feel like I, at first when I watched it, I was like, I'm smarter now, you know, it's fine. But uh, when you try to actually have, you know, sympathy or actually try to just, you know, um, take it, take it for what it is and what, what Ava was going for. Yeah, it, it is, it is quite powerful. And 
is probably stuff that should be taught, you know, in schools. Uh, just, just how far the rabbit hole goes, you know, uh, this documentary, I think goes a little bit beneath the surface. I and mean, then there's just, there's just more and more. If you get on the internet and you start reading about, you know, the way these com- these huge, huge conglomerates align with the prison system it is, it is just so dark and so scary. Uh, and, you know, here we are just kind of, kind of lollygagging our way through life, not knowing, you know, that the powers that be are quite, quite, quite scary. You know, what really freaked me out the most is, you know, this unfortunate truth that like racism and oppression is so ingrained with our country's DNA that it's almost impossible to take it out without pretty much destroying our entire infrastructure, which is so fucked up. Like there's no way back. And what do you say to that? Yeah, man. Yeah, I, I, I knew you'd you'd respond to it for sure. It's just it's just a damn good damn good doc. It was up for it was up for the Oscar, uh, and it lost to I don't remember what was the twenty sixteen winner. I I remember thinking this should fucking win. You know, this is this is a uh, it, it's on Netflix. It's been on Netflix for six years, going on seven years now. Definitely a definitely a must see. Uh, t- type type of documentary so g- g- good stuff man i'm glad glad you you checked that one out um i uh speaking of netflix i watched uh noah bomback's new film because it came out i want to say right at the tail end of 2022 like december 29th or something like that and uh, i just didn't have time we did that draft episode i wanted to watch it before then but i, I just i just couldn't make it happen so I watched it, I don't know, or, or earlier this week on Monday or Tuesday. I can't remember. Uh, very weird. Very, very, very strange. And it's completely different than anything Bombback has done, which is why I was I was intrigued the entire, the entire movie. It's a little over two hours. Probably could have cut some stuff just to make it a little more, you know, streamlined. But uh, it's, it's getting quite mixed reviews, you know. Uh, you know, most of his recent, recent works you know, like Marriage Story and Meyerowitz Stories and Francis Ha, like those movies are pretty much hand over fist. People just love them and they get really good scores. They do really well. Uh, he's become kind of a an auteur in his own right. And I think White Noise is is, is definitely dividing people. It's definitely uh, splitting people right down the middle. It's either for you or, or just not at all. And I, I totally understand if it's not. Uh, I read the book when I was probably 17 or 18. Right. And the, the movie's trying to stick too close to the, to the text. Uh, that's definitely a, a thing that's going around. People are like, okay, the, like the book, you can't, you can't literally put word to screen. Like it's just not going to translate the right way, especially to people who don't know the book. And uh, you know, credit to him for sticking true to something that he loves, you know, a, a, a novel that he likes a lot, but dude, you know, like, it's you got to adaptations there. You know, it's a, it's a word for a reason, you know, you do have to make changes. That's part of the deal. It's one thing that Kurosawa is a master at is, is making it their own, you know? And I, I feel like Bombback was just like, I have to, this book that I've been with since I was a child, I ha- I have to, you know, hold, hold, hold true to it. I get that, but it could have been even better. I still liked it. Adam driver is one of those guys that I could watch him stare at a wall. You know, he's just, to me, one of the like one of the five guys who's in their prime right now, where I'll just watch him do anything. So I did enjoy it, and I do respect Bomback for trying. Um, 
After that, I watched Strange World, the Disney flick from last year that just completely bombed, like made no money. The marketing was really odd for it. It seemed like it wasn't, you know, I, I, I remember seeing, you know, certain ads for it and I was like, what is this? Like, what, what, what exactly is this movie? And, I, you know, I finally watched it with my daughter and I liked it. That was pretty good. First off, it looked fucking awesome. You know, has a little bit of the, has a little bit of that fucking avatar thing where you go to a certain place and you're just kind of like, oh, look at all the colors. Look how beautiful it is, which worked on my daughter. And then mainly for me, what worked was the voice cast, you know, uh, fucking Jake Gyllenhaal, Dennis Quaid, Gabrielle Union, you know, I, I Lucy Liu. I thought everybody just knocked it completely out of the park, especially Jake Gyllenhaal. That guy, I don't think he's ever done voice acting before in, in a, in a, Disney movie. I've never I was looking at his letterbox. I was like, is this the first time he's been in an animated movie? That's crazy because he's he was so so good at it. I loved his character. I loved the relationship between him and his dad, played by Dennis Quaid. Uh they they were they were just like a cool little duo. So uh I, I had fun with it, man. You know, I it's just, that one in Lightyear just got completely bombarded by people like this is shit. And it was like I actually I think it's pretty good. I think they're both pretty good. And yeah. they, we're going to look back, I think, and be like 2022. Not so bad from Pixar and Disney. You know, if you combine the two, you know, powers that be uh, turning red. Awesome. Lightyear thought it was pretty good and strange world. Pretty good. So, uh, you know, I had no, pr- I had no problem with that. Those, those movies that seem kind of mixed. Uh, before we get to Kurosawa, I do have to talk about this movie. I was texting you about it. You've got to see it. Strange Days, <laughs> 1995, uh, written by Big Jim Cameron, baby, and his and his his former wife, <laughs> uh, Catherine Bigelow. They were married from 1989 to 1991. Very briefly, it was you know did not go well. You know that's a that's what we that's what we call failed marriage. Uh, and this movie comes out in 95. They combine their powers. Uh, the movie nearly derailed Catherine Bigelow's directing career because it made no money. People are very, very, you know, uh, divided on it. But as years have passed, people have reclaimed it, which is one of my favorite things about movies is you just don't know what's going to happen, you know, 10, 20 years down the road. And now people are like, this is Bigelow's best stuff, you know? So I finally watched it and I agree. It is my favorite Bigelow movie. It is (laughs) so fucking bonkers yet, yet, yet grounded enough to be believable. You know, Uh, it's, comes out in 1995 the the story is based in 1999 at the turn of the century it's uh like the last couple days of 1999 before 2000 and just you know it's in los angeles and this is a very nasty this is like this is like 70s new york city but los angeles in the late 90s it's very very interesting they really uh hayton turn up the volume on the kind of the, the the la riots from the from 1992 and kind of put them in here um, and you got Ray Fiennes and Angela Bassett, both fucking exquisite in this movie. Like such a cool duo. You never thought, you never would have thought that those two would be in a movie in LA, uh, you know, fucking doing crazy stuff and beating people up and kind of teaming up together to, to take down these, this like conspiracy It's so cool, man. I just thought that movie kicked ass. Uh, I've been wanting to see it for a long time and I finally just was like, screw it. It's on HBO max right now. Uh, highly recommend it. Uh, Connor, I think you're going to love that movie when you see it. Yeah, I remember you being very excited about this one. Uh, yeah, we might make that a filmgasm 
uh, towards the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, th- there was one time you, you were like, Hey, pick a movie. And I was like, well, it's time to talk about thief. I feel like at the end of the year, it's going to be like, all right, I'm ready to rewatch strange days and, and, and come on and talk about it. It's going to, it had that effect on me where I was like, this is one of those that I could see falling in completely in love with. That's beautiful. I love those movies. Um, before I forget, 13th lost best documentary to OJ Made in America. I just wanted to throw Oh, out. well, pff, yeah. That one, that's a, that's a cheat. That's not right. Because OJ Made in America is like five parts. It's like eight hours. You can't compete with a movie that's a, you know, a movie, which is basically a docu-series that breaks down racism completely and talks about it through the, the scope of one of the most infamous, you know, murders in the history of the world you know yeah oj simpson there's just no way to compare that to like an hour and a half doc that is really focused on on the prison system and on the 13th amendment you know it's how can you compare the two i remember being kind of mad i love oj made in america i think it's a must see for anybody but come on like it's hard to compare something that long to something like 13th which is a proper doc yeah it's like you know it's like a what was it 2013 it's like 12 years a slave losing best picture to the last season of breaking bad like, yeah I, that yeah. would happen it's way better but should it be there i don't i don't think so <laughs> it's, um, it's way better <laughs> uh. white noise i i knew from the second i saw the trailer i'm like this isn't for me i'm this is when yeah. I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna be annoyed by this uh yeah <laughs> definitely <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's a bomb back. I guess, you know, when we do Marriage Story, which I'm surprised we haven't yet, uh, I'll probably just go ahead and knock out the bomb backs I haven't seen yet. And we'll go ahead and I'll throw on White Noise. Um, Yeah, yeah. If if anything, you're watching Adam Driver in his prime do his thing, even if you don't like the movie, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then Strange World. Yeah, that and Lightyear both tanked i think partly because they were both boasting prominent gay characters i don't think that's a coincidence uh yeah yeah i mean yeah it's like in strange world it's like no it's like nothing like it's never even addressed it's just my son's gay uh jake gyllenhaal plays dad immediately is like oh that's your crush hey i'm his dad you know how's it going and then like they walk away and you're like that like that's literally how like a parent should handle it you know yeah. Uh, and, and and on top of that, Jake Gyllenhaal's character is married to a character played by Gabrielle Union, who's black. So there's an inter, it's an interracial marriage, and their son's gay. And it's like, oh, of course, this movie didn't do well. <laughs> yeah. You know, fucking you know, Christian conservatives don't want anybody but you know, white white people, married white people, married white straight people in their fucking animated movies, and it's causing them to fail which is pretty fucking crazy in this in this day and age but uh i've heard you know i i, I honestly have not heard much about strange world apart from you so yeah, maybe I'll, i like you know i want to knock off all the all of disney's movies i'll check that out at some point it, you know what i would compare it to as far as like if you the disney pixar i would compare it to onward just like fuck uh, yeah that felt, that felt good that felt loved onward good. yeah yeah I think you'll I think you'll really like some aspects of Strange World. It has a really cool fantasy kind of element to it. Yeah, just I don't know, just kicked ass. So, and yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal. Who doesn't love Jake Gyllenhaal? You know, uh, 
All right. Let's talk about let's talk about what you've done with Kurosawa here. You know, um, neither of us are are experts on Kurosawa. Uh, we've both seen a handful of his movies. I've probably only seen a couple more, just because I, you know, the Criterion thing. You know, like I've seen some of his older ones, like like Drunken Angel. Drunken Angel is one of my favorites. I fucking love that movie. But as far as his classics go, you know, we've both seen Rashomon. You know, um, uh, what else did we watch? We watched Hidden Fortress, Seven Samurai. We both watched all three of those for the episode we did on Rashomon, and we were both like, "Okay, this, yeah, this guy, I get it. You know, he's pretty good." Uh, and this week, uh, you went for Ikiru, yep, Yojimbo, and 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 Ran, yes. And I had already seen Ikiru, so I watched Yojimbo and, and Ran. So let's start with Ikiru. What'd you think? Fucking amazing movie, right? It's my new favorite. Like this yeah. was. <laughs> I love, you know, the, the epicness of Ran and the self-contained adventure of Yojimbo, but something about just a man learning he's going to die and deciding to use his time to do something that matters, that really spoke to me. And I just, I, I enjoyed every second of Ikiru. I thought it was great. I thought it was emotional. I thought it was powerful, very well acted, very well written. The cinematography was beautiful. It was engaging. And uh, for a two and a half hour Japanese movie, I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah, right? Yeah, you're not, you know, 1952 black and white Japanese movie. <laughs> that that is, that is two and a half hours, and it's not an action movie. It's not a samurai movie. It is, it is drama, like, through and through. And I, I'm with you. I It reminded me of a bunch of movies that I like now, like modern, modern movies. I could feel the influence of a lot of things that I really like. Uh, I, I watched this, I don't know, a couple months ago, just on a whim, because I occasionally i'm like let's watch another let's add one more kurosawa you know let's like add, just slowly add kurosawa to the so i do i do love the guy you know i i have i've never been disappointed if that makes sense I, of course i have my favorites which are rashomon and ikiru those are my two top top fucking kurosawa but i've i've liked all of them you know yeah. ironically the one that i like the least and that i definitely need to rewatch at some point when i have four hours to spare is seven samurai same uh, <laughs> I, I feel like something's wrong with me <laughs> and you maybe i don't know because everybody fucking loves that movie i just didn't feel quite as impacted so w- one day i will rewatch it when i do have you know a lot of time to spare but ikiru is just right up our alley man it's just like really really good screenplay like qu- quality acting uh a lot of people talk about Toshiru uh, Mifune, like the combination of Kurosawa and him. But Takashi Shimura is just as effective in a lot of his movies as well. Sometimes he doesn't play a big, uh, as big of a role, but he always brings the heat in his movies. I love T- Takashi. He is he's so good. He, made, he makes me laugh even you know, through his pain in Ikiru. You know, I just felt, I felt, so, felt so relatable and and just uh, honestly, like a must see, you know, it, yeah. it felt like when I finished it, I was like, I needed that. Whether, whether it was the exact right time in my life to watch it. I just, at some point I needed that movie in my arsenal. I needed it. I agree. You know, that scene where he's waiting for news in the hospital and that one guy walks up to him and he's like, Hey, you know, if they tell you it's like, it's a minor ulcer, that's not really what it is. Like, you know, they're really lying to you and he gets all insecure. And then they're like, it's just an ulcer. And he's like, Oh, I'm dying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that felt like a Cohen's thing, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know. I, I one of the reasons I I went ahead and watched it was I probably mentioned this uh, back when I saw it 
um, was it, on Criterion. They do these adventures and movie going, uh, like little little sections, and so they'll have you know actors and directors and writers pick four or five movies from the collection, and they'll talk about them for three or four minutes, and, and nearly every time I'm like, yeah, I need to watch this because because the way they talk about it, and for Akira, it was Bill Hader. Yeah, and, I remember and, you telling me about that. Yeah, and and Bill Hader went on and on about just how devastating but funny the movie is at the same time. And he said, you know, Bill Hader was like, it's everything I need, I want in a movie. And he said uh, at the end, he was like, it's, it's undoubtedly my favorite Kurosawa. You know, uh, he's like, it's it's kind of one that I go back to over and over just to remind myself of how powerful filmmaking can be from from past decades. Uh, so I. I felt compelled by that, you know, so I went ahead and watched it and I was like, Bill Hader, who would have thought, you know, this SNL standout, like goofy ass motherfucker is one of the cinephiles in Hollywood right now. He's one of the guys who knows his shit, you know, uh, you watch his TV show, Barry, and you're like, oh my God, he's like referencing movies left and right in that TV show. It's like he wanted to make a TV show to reference movies it's, it's really cool i had no idea when i was watching him you know play stefan the you know the guy in weekend update i had no idea what i was actually seeing you know what i mean uh yeah. really cool when that when that comes back around you get older and you realize this guy that i was just laughing at he's become he's become a movie mind that i i respect for sure i'm glad we still have some cinephiles in hollywood feels like we're losing them uh, yeah yeah one thing i loved about ikiru that I then realized like retroactively is peppered throughout the Kurosawa films I've seen. He is a master at displaying people at their most vulnerable states yeah. and just going for it, just showing like people hurt and it's okay. And like yes. you see that, you see that in Ran too, you know, a man oh, dude. losing his entire family because of a poor decision he made and living with it. The whole film, just living with the fact that, like, I turned my sons against each other and I wish I hadn't done that. Like, his films really just dig into human like humanity. And I, I really respect that. And I really, I, re- I like that. I appreciate it. Yeah. And it, it doesn't matter what, if it's a period film, if it's, you know, it doesn't matter what he's, what he's doing. He can't help himself but be just honest, just yeah. being an honest, an honest writer truly one of the best adapters you know someone who's like i can take shakespeare and i will make it a little kurosawa like i will throw myself into that it's it's the best it's it's kind of cliche to say but like this guy is kurosawa is like one of the most talented guys that we've ever had uh as far as filmmaking goes and there's a reason that his his work has just stood the test of time and here's here's two guys in their in their you know mid to late 20s that are just like oh my god I'm finally, I'm finally really understanding how much this guy means. Yeah, we're we're late twenties now. <laughs> yeah, I said mid. We're both almost twenty eight. <laughs> Jesus, closer to thirty than closer to thirty than twenty is a tough thing to swallow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know what? Kurosawa helped. It's help. He's helping. Uh, yeah, true. Yeah. So yeah, Kikiru is the one to beat for me. That was just. Uh, an experience just you know like moments where he's finally coming clean with the the young girl and saying like you know i'm dying and i've done nothing like i have nothing to show for it my life is meaningless i need to do something and it's just like shit how do you not relate to that how do you not think like what have i done thus far 
Like everyone has those thoughts, but to see them in a Japanese movie in night from 1952 really shows that like, you know, we globally, we're all not that different. We've all had these thoughts. And I just, I love, I love moments like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you, man. I'm with you. This is, this is one I'm going to buy. I need to own this one. I need it on my shelf and I need to, need to, need to talk to more people about it. I want to get more people to watch this movie. It's one of those. Uh, I think we felt a little differently about that one compared to Yojimbo. Um, you would, you, you would think we'd both be kind of just taken aback by, by Yojimbo, just by the, the sheer power that this movie has culturally. Uh, but you know, I, I liked it. I liked it. I'll start with that. I thought it was good. You know, I'd give it a solid eight out of 10, but I was expecting to be like, Oh, this is my favorite Kurosawa, you know, just the, what I've heard about it. I bought it. I just bought it out of nowhere, you know, and, uh, the criterion edition and it, you know, I was a little let down. I gotta be honest, just a little, not like, Oh God, that sucked. I did not think it sucked or anything, but I, I don't know. I think I need to see it again. You know, it's uh, a little under two hours. Features a incredible performance by Toshiro. He is lights out in this movie. But there's something about the tone of it that both of us, when we were texting, we were like, what, 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 what exactly was the goal here? Because you see that it's an action drama thriller type movie. But it, to me, it's got some comedy. It, it's got... It's got that hidden fortress comedic element to it, but it's a little out of place. Yeah, it's almost, it feels like slapstick at times. I I honestly found myself nodding off, like getting distracted. Like I had a hard time really getting into this movie. Uh, ultimately, yeah, I was very let down. I gave this, I'm, I, on the filmgasm scale, this is a six for me. Oof. Okay, uh, so you didn't really like it. <laughs> I didn't, really. I was like, <laughs> as soon as the weird, like, you know, Planet of the Apes music started playing and I'm like, what, what the hell's going on right now? <laughs> and yeah, I just, I, I think, and I never thought I'd say this, but the remake was better. Fistful of dollars. Yeah. Yeah. The unofficial remake that Kurosawa sued Leone for and won. Uh, Leone did it better. A Fistful of dollars is a much more compact, easier to follow, engaging film with a consistent tone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I'm I, I'm not going to disagree with you here. I think Fistful of Dollars is is certified classic, uh, was, fantastic movie. It was remade again in the '80s with Bruce Willis, a movie called Last Man Standing by Walter Hill. I've always wanted to see that. Yikes! Yeah, it's like said <laughs> now it's like L.A. Street Gangs. Oh boy! Uh, yeah, you know I, I I absolutely adore the the simplicity of here comes this guy fucking drifter you know badass you know whether he's a gunslinger or you know ronin uh just a just a dude coming in coming in hot and there's two gangs who are who are arguing all this shit and his goal is to be like fuck both of you i just want the people who live here to have a normal life you know i do i do like that fundamentally i like that story what saves yojimbo is toshiro like good god that guy is one of the most powerful actors i've 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 ever watched he 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 just blows me away every time his his stature his gravitas like everything about him he doesn't seem like a actor's actor you know like oh oh, you know well he's just just brings his own energy reminds me a lot of anthony quinn just i'm gonna do my fucking thing you know and everybody else get the fuck out the way i'm the man i i'm i'm the guy who's like this big burly motherfucker and i i can kind of just barrel over all of you 
And there's just not a lot of, you know, masculine people like that anymore. You know, they're just kind of have a dominance about them, but also a, a skill, you know, a skill level that, that, that is there. Uh, also reminds me of like, kind of like 1970s Gene Hackman, just kind of like, fuck off. <laughs> um, uh, like I'm a shithead and I know it and it's cool. It's fine. So T- Toshiro just has something that I've always been obsessed with in movies, which is probably a little bit of toxic masculinity, but I don't know. I like that. I like that vulnerability. It's almost like, you know, they're using their powers for good almost like in the, in that time, it's like, yeah, they were shit human beings, but what they brought, they brought that onto the screen and used it and turned it into performance in a way that we just don't have anymore. I, I agree with that, that that's kind of gone out and it's a good thing that that's been kind of weeded out of, of culture for the most part. Yeah. But you know, back then it does, it adds to a certain just, you know, silent rage almost like there's there they could pop at any moment yeah yeah well i think another guy we both respect a lot is you know like 1950s burt lancaster who just had that oozing out of him you know just uh at any given moment like he might just punch the wall like straight through and and like i would believe it you know i'd be like yeah that guy can't do that you know toshiro also has that so that's kind of what saves yojimbo to still be like pretty good to me and I did, I fucking loved the ending. I thought the ending was so sick. Uh, just, there's just some, there's some scenes. I'd, I, I, I'd call them lulls. I'd call them, there's some lulls in this one. I do like when he's just, you know, the end when he's just like, slice, slice. All right, there you go. And yeah. just leave. Peace. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See you later. Yeah. And, and, and towards the beginning when he slices that guy's arm off, like completely is, is pre- pretty, pretty cool. I think, you know, give it a few years. I think, you know, I'll, I'll revisit it. I think I'll, this feels like a second or third watch waiting to happen. I think I, I'll, we'll get on board with this at some point. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, I think that's one thing about him is Kurosawa is not, is not someone you just like anybody can watch. And I, I don't, I'm not trying to be uh, like put you and I on a pedestal or anything, but we're trying to get there where that's like, that's the place we want to go as, as, as of course, why else would, why else would we fucking do it? It's like when you just keep training yourself to watch movies and watch movies and watch movies and catch certain things and appreciate certain things. Kurosawa is one of those people. Like if I watch Rand five times, it might become one of my favorite movies of all time. Like it has, he has that element to him where you're going to be rewarded for doing your own homework with his stuff. Yeah, certain filmmakers are definitely an acquired taste, and it takes a little bit more of an effort to really appreciate what they what they're bringing to the table. And I respect that. I like the, I like the grind. I like the journey. I like finding out new things about myself by visiting these filmmakers. And yeah, I wouldn't have it any other way. And I don't, you know, want to put down anyone else who's on a different cinematic journey than I am. But this is mine. Yeah, yeah, this is mine, and I'm I'm not not fucking taking the foot off the gas anytime soon. So. Uh yeah, so that's that's kind of what, what what you what we got to. Uh what's next for Kurosawa? What's your next what what do you have circled? I'm really interested in Kagamusha. Me too, me too. Yeah, I want to check that out. And Yojimbo has a sequel that I'd like to check out as well. Yeah, Sinjuro, Sen, yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, that yeah. I feel like now all well, we we just have to. Uh you know what I mean? <laughs> um you know, Stray Dog. Stray Dog is one I, I need to see. That's an older one. And High and Low. High and Low is one that's that's got like super critically acclaimed. I feel like I just need to see it at some point. 
the good news is we can bring him on this show, you know, in the future again, you know, we can continue to use Kurosawa as a guy to kind of explore. So until then I'll just kind of, you know, kind of marinate in the movies I've seen by him. And then I'll, I'll, I'll go into another phase where I'm like, I need to watch you know, two or three more of his movies and, I can't wait for that day to come. But today we are going to focus on Rand for the rest of the episode. I, I'm wicked excited. We've held back on, on our thoughts here. We're going to give awards out to it. We are going to look at the 58th Academy Awards at the end of the episode. So I'm, I'm super excited. Uh, man, this is, this is just an epic movie about power, greed, you know, just fa- family dynamics. You know, It's got a lot going on. You don't, for me, I don't know about you, I, I didn't really feel the two-hour and 40-minute runtime. Like, I, I was pretty entertained the whole way. You know, I watched an hour, and one, this might be because I watched an hour in one night, then I watched the rest uh, the next night, because I was like, I gotta go to bed. Like, I, I, I know, I was locked in. I stopped at, I always do this, when I know I have to split a movie up, I'm like, I'm gonna stop at a point where the, ne- the next day, all I'm gonna be thinking about is, What's going to happen next, you know? So I, st- I stopped, like, during the f- that first battle. That is just so epic. And I was like, I'm going to stop here. And so now the next day at work, I was like, fuck, I can't wait to get back to Rand, <laughs> you know? And when I came back, I was just, I was enamored, you know, the rest of the way. So I really, really, really like this one. It's probably my third favorite of his movies. That's awesome. And yes, the reason you didn't feel the runtime is because you split it in half. I watched this fucker all the way through. And you felt it? Yeah, I felt it. It's that's just, you know, you can have too much of a good thing. You know, I think, you know, if if all my favorite movies were, you know, 20 minutes short of three hours, I wouldn't I probably wouldn't watch them all that often. Yeah, that's that's one of the things about, you know, if some of your favorites are long. It's it's more special because you're going to go to them less, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. I love Avengers Endgame, but I'm not watching it every day because it is three hours long. Yeah, Um, totally get it. But this was delightful. This was an enjoyable, entertaining. I do want to say real quick, I am very glad they decided to color code the bad guys. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. It's pretty easy to follow. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, there's the red guy. Oh, blue guy's here now. Like, I didn't remember any, any names. <laughs> but that's, um, yeah, no, that, 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 that's, that's, I think, smart. Yeah. Like, really smart. Yeah. But yeah, you can tell that he was, uh, he was working with a budget, which was nice. Um, I remember, I think I read that this was like the most expensive Japanese film ever made. Yeah. Uh, at the time. Yeah. It was a, it was a huge deal. It cost yeah. like, cost like 12 million bucks to make this movie in 19, in the eighties. <laughs> and he goes all out. It, it, like you feel the weight of the great Lord's decision here. Just all the blood that gets spilt because of what he decided to do here. And yeah, it always goes back to that. Just like, you know, maybe you should have thought this through a little bit more. And yeah, I, I was impressed. I'm I'm glad this is the one that we uh, decided to do here. Yeah, it's it's a it's a big Oscar movie, you know. Uh, four, four nominations is, is a good, nice little haul. So if yeah, I felt like okay, if we'll if we're gonna do one, I've always wanted to see this. I've been waiting for an excuse to watch it, so that this is perfect, you know, to be able to talk to you about it. Uh, and yeah, I, I I was I was pretty drawn in right away when that our first scene is is some of the most gorgeous cinematography I've seen in an opening opening scene. And it, it is, it is a, a dad delegating to his three sons. Well, like what's about to happen. And you don't know that you're watching. Yeah. Like one of the, you know, worst decisions of this guy's life. 
but he, you know, he's like, Hey, you, my oldest son, you're going to fucking take the first castle. You are the man. You're the top dog. Uh, you second son, you're taking castle two. Um, you better listen to your older brother. Cause that's what you need to do. And sa- same for you. And if, the third one's like, fuck you. I'm not, I'm not doing that shit. And for right from there, I was like, oh my God, like, like this is, this is like, this is good. You know, this is good stuff. You know, family drama can bring it on. And I, I, I mean, I knew from just what I heard about it, there's going to be some blood, you know, there's, and there is blood, you know, it is, it is bright red. It is, it is fucking, uh, Suspiria red, you know, it's like yeah. in your face, really cool. Nothing, it's not like any other, you know, uh, war slash battle movie that I've seen in that way. The like the violence is it's right in front of you. It's like really, really, really dark. But but the the story reminds me of you know things that I've fallen in love with, uh, you know, Lord of the Rings and different you know dramatic pieces where the the decisions you make and the people that 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 love you, uh, they 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 might turn on you based on those decisions. It's really really cool. Uh, so. I loved it. I can't wait to give this movie awards and I can't wait to hear what stuck out to you. Yeah. I love, you know, I love stories built on conditional love. Yeah. Yeah. Until you wrong me. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Like I love when, when, when the dad finds out like, Oh yeah, by the way, your oldest son's like anybody who gets in his way, like including you, he's going to kill, you know, that's his new decree. (laughs) Sign this contract. Tell everybody that I own your ass. And he's like, how dare you? Yeah. Like I just gave you this power. You motherfucker. (laughs) There were witnesses. We don't need to sign anything. And he's like, yeah, we do. Oh man. (laughs) Really good. Uh, Ran translates to chaos or turmoil. Like those are the, those are the words that, that it translate to in, 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 in English. Makes sense, right? Chaos that's, is the perfect word. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. You know, Akiro, you know what Akiru uh, translates to? What? To live. Of course. Yep. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Uh, you happen I mean, to know just, what, yeah. You happen to know what Yojimbo translates to? I don't. I should have looked that one up. You know, Here. I mean, obviously, obviously, Seven Samurai is pretty, uh, pretty easy to. <laughs> <laughs> Here, I'll look up. I'll look up what Yojimbo means. You, you keep going. Throne of Blood is another one that I also have high on my list. I need to see that. Uh, I have seen that one. That's that's Kurosawa. Oh, you've yeah. seen. Okay, you've seen Throne of Blood. So that's one you have. You've seen that I haven't. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. Drunk, Drunken Angel, Senshiro Shigata. Like those are ones from the '40s that I like a lot. Um, yeah, fuck. This guy's just been doing it. Or, or he did means, do it forever. Yojimbo means bodyguard. Perfect. <laughs> like we could have guessed that. Uh, he, I love when he. I do love in that movie when he's just like toying with them. Like, yeah, I'll be your fucking bodyguard, but I need the money now. You know? <laughs> I get paid up front. Uh, yeah. I'll take, I'll take 30 now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, man, this is good, good stuff. So ran, we got to do our awards for it. We have the Tarantino for best quote. We have the Ennio Morricone for best music moment. Awesome score. Jesus Christ. Just epic. The Philip Seymour Hoffman award for best performance. There's certainly someone who stuck out to me, but there are there there is there is some competition here. There are some solid performances, uh, and then the Roger Deakins Award for the best scene of the movie, which could go to a you know handful of places. So I'll let you start with your Tarantino. Cool. So I don't usually go with an exchange. I like you know block quotes, but this exchange was too good to pass up. So 
Okay. Uh, this is between uh, the Great Lord and his and, and uh, Blue Sun. <laughs> Blue Sun. Uh. <laughs> it was just it was easier for me to be like, okay, blue, red, yellow, got it. Uh, but uh, you think you think Akira Kurosawa was like, yeah, those Americans still understand it more if I if I give them the three basic colors. Personally, I think it was an older gentleman being like, I can't remember names right now. All right, red, blue, yellow. Okay, yeah. fine. <laughs> but um, it's during the exchange when uh, the Great Lord's telling his sons, you know. Yellow's going to rule over you guys, so get used to it. And Saburo, Blue, is like, you are a senile old fool. And the great lord goes, what madness have I spoken? Wherein lies my senility? And Saburo goes, I'll tell you, what kind of world do we live in? One one barren of loyalty and feeling. And the great lord goes, I'm aware of that. And Saburo goes, so you should be. You spilled an ocean of blood. You showed no mercy, no pity. We too are children of this age, weaned on strife and chaos. We are your sons, yet you count on our fidelity. In my eyes, that makes you a fool, a senile old fool. This is telling him like, dude, this is the world you made. You think we're just going to roll over like this? You created us to to lead this world, and we're going to do it. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good... That's yeah. the beginning of the movie, dude. You know, like, yeah, like right Jesus. there, I'm like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I love, I love, love that bit. That's the Ichimanji, uh, Ichimanji. Don't know how to say it. That's the 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 family that's coming to these decisions, and it's such a fascinating scene. I love when he gives them the arrow, they break it, and he gives them three arrows, and they can't break him. And I was like, oh man, this is just. Yeah. And then what is shit. what does the one guy do? He forces it, and he's like, "See, <laughs> pointless metaphor." Like this all kept making making me think of the Godfather. Like yeah. you know, yes, yes. Corleone, like you know, I never wanted this for you. Like this, this, there's no way in hell he wasn't in. Or oh no, wait, well that's King Lear. So yeah, fuck. Okay, yeah. I was like wait a minute, this came out in '85, and then I'm like, yeah, but Shakespeare came out in the 1300s. <laughs> it doesn't matter when Shakespeare's <laughs> been around for centuries. Yeah, every, everybody's influenced by Shakespeare. Uh, <laughs> it's great. Definitely, definitely wearing its. Uh, Wearing its, you know, artistic influences on its sleeve ran the the whole movie. You can you can feel it. And then of course, after Kurosawa, I think you and I were talking about how he's he's a bridge. You know, he's a guy who does not mind being like, I like this shit. I like art. I like poetry. I like I like stuff. I'm gonna put it in my movies. And then afterwards, people are like, I like Kurosawa. You know, he becomes a part of the stuff. You know, he becomes a part of that long lineage of 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 people who are just always copied and that's that's just fine with me yeah once you're part of you know art people are going to pick and choose from you you're going to influence people hopefully and you know that's just that's the way art works it's this constant swirling mass of talent and we're always adding to it we're always taking away from it and i just hope we keep doing that yeah yeah good stuff man i i love i love that bit of dialogue for your tarantino uh you know there's there was a ton there's a ton of stuff I liked. I, I loved I loved that opening scene. I really like some of the stuff with uh, Tango and Kiyoami, the, the the two that are they bring a kind of a, a comedic tone to it in the same way that you know in Hidden Fortress there's definitely kind of some some things happening there that you got two kind of goofy characters that obviously influence Star Wars later on. So uh, I, I really I really liked the scenes with them. Kiwami at one point says something that like 
I, I want to like put on a t-shirt and the thing is so badass. She says, uh, some people can get along fine without God, but everyone seems to need a devil. Like, oh, that's fucking sick. <laughs> that is, oh. I, I heard a variation of that in a fucking comic book in a daredevil comic. Oh, perfect. it was something along the lines of like, you know, uh, if you prayed to God, like Daredevil's like telling Kingpin or something, like if you prayed to God, then why did he send the devil? Mm. That's like, yeah, oh, just, that, ugh, yeah, that's a good, that's not, that's a badass, like you know, Bruce Willis about to shoot the bad guy line. <laughs> that's that's great. Yeah, no, it is. It's, uh, it's fucking sick. And I think I said she. I meant he. Uh, I don't know. There's not really the only the only women in this movie. Uh, they're they're not, they're not the best. <laughs> Med- medieval Japan, man. We're lucky they had lines. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do like. I'll bring up uh, Lady K- Kaeda. Like, oh man, fucking shit. She's got got some scenes. Uh, good <laughs> lord. Uh, anyways, yeah, I, lo- I, lo- I love love the different characters. I think Hidetora, Lord Hidetora, like has some sick dialogue. Like, absolutely devastating fucking dialogue. Uh, so I, I don't know. You can't really go wrong with the screenplay. The actor who played him is still alive. Okay, I looked that up. Tats- Tatsuya Nakalai. Uh, no. Yeah, you would think you'd think Tatsuya would be fucking 80 when this movie came out. Born in let's see, where is it? Born in born in 1932. So it's like 50 when this movie came out. Great makeup job. Incredible. It made me go, oh wow, like costume design practical effects makeup all that stuff is just fucking on point in this movie yeah he just looks you know he's i i 100 convinced the look for pi may from kill bill came from this guy yeah yeah Yeah. he just looks like this you know war-torn battle-worn family-worn dude who's just done but life is not done with him yeah god man i some of the shots of him just the eyes, you know, I was just like, oh, that's gonna, it's gonna stick. It's gonna stick with me. <laughs> uh, okay. How about the Inya Morricone? How about, how about best music moment? You got, you got, got some choices here. This is a good score. I do. And um, I went with the scene where um, I believe it's his daughter-in-law who he like slaughtered her whole family. And- yeah. Lady, Lady Kaya, who's yeah. married to Taro. Yes. And then she sleeps with Jiro. Yeah. She's, yeah, she's like, I will I'm coming out on top, and everyone's like, No, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> but um there's a scene where um like after he meets with Taro and she's like they're talking in a field, the great lord and her, and he's like, Why don't you hate me? Like, hate me. I ruined your life, I destroyed everything you had. Just hate me. And she's like, I don't. And the music that's playing is so like somber and reflective. It's like he he wants to be hated for why he's for what he's done, but nobody has the balls to actively tell him he's a piece of shit. And he just needs that. He needs to, he needs to know I made, I did the wrong thing. And yeah, I just, I love that. I love that bit. It was great. Yeah. It's, it's one of my favorite themes in the movie is, is watching him just going, going a downward spiral of reflecting on, Oh my God, I've, I've been a piece of shit. I've ruined so much. And have had no conscience until now, you know? Yeah. It's until, all fun and, and games till it happens to you. <laughs> yeah. Until you hand it over to your sons and now they want you dead, you know? Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. It's, it's such a, it's such a 
interesting storyline in the movie and probably my favorite is watching him walk around and just lose his mind you know it just remind reminded me of a lot of a lot of male performances that i've liked since Rand came out uh, i like I like to think a lot of guys have watched that movie and been like man he that guy did a good job <laughs> you know uh so yeah <clears throat> love that the score by toru takamitsu is just it's just lights out um uh, when I got home from work earlier, I took a shower and I put the score on and I just got, I got lost, man. <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, I've been in the shower for like fucking 25 minutes. <laughs> just, I'm not, I'm just standing here in the water. The hot water is just fucking <laughs> pouring over me and I'm listening to this. My favorite bit of score though, um, is, is the opening credits. Uh, it's about two minutes long. Reminded me of some stuff from Rashomon, which which kind of made my you know my fucking hair stand up on the back of my neck, and I couldn't I couldn't ignore it. The eeriness of it, the foreshadowing of that piece of score, where it's like you're, you're, you're this isn't gonna be fun. <laughs> you're not you're not gonna have fun here. Nobody's gonna win. <laughs> you know this is gonna be this is gonna be a complete downfall of humanity throughout this movie. And uh, boy, boy, were were, were they right? Uh, my favorite thing about it though is. Again, how uh, how aligned everyone was. Um, I think our I think our biggest complaint with Yojimbo gets completely it gets completely proven wrong in, in, in this movie because the score is on the same page as the as what's going on, you know, as what we're seeing from the cinematography and the costume production design, uh, and the actors are you know it's the same you know everybody's on the same page hitting on all cylinders. And that's kind of why I think this movie is like a straight up nine out of 10 for me. It's just damn near perfect. Uh, so like those things matter a lot, you know, as, as you watch more and more movies, you realize sometimes the, the, the performances of the screenplay can even take a backseat to this kind of stuff. You know, the, the production of it, the music, the, the scale of it. So I just thought ran on those, on those categories, should have won every Oscar, you know. It was that kind of that kind of a thing. Yeah, you got to be consistent. You got to have a tone that matches the story you're trying to tell. I mean, imagine like you know Schindler's List with like Beetlejuice's score. Everyone would be like, yeah. "I want to feel sad here, but I this is weirding me out." Like, yeah, you need yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm I'm all for kind of kind of doing the oh hey, a bad thing's happening. Let's play some kind of like fucking ice cream fucking 50s music you know la 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 you know like something bad's happening but but that's that's not that doesn't always work you know i i i found that just simplicity and less is more you know you just you just kind of go with what feels right and with ran everything felt right so yeah i I, I thought the score was so sick and i do love when a movie has a score that we have to choose from you know there's no there's no, there's no fucking, you know, you know, uh, soundtrack here. There's no needle drop shit going on. You know, this is, this is a, this is an epic from centuries ago, you know? So I, I love, I love that part of it. Yeah. Yeah. From the get go, I almost went with the opening credits myself because it just, I love a tone setter. I love a nice, you know, opening credits with a just great score that just tells you what you're in for. Yeah. And this was very much like, we're about to watch a nation fall. <laughs> yeah. Let's watch a film. Yeah. yeah. yeah this is going to be wild. Yeah. yeah it's it. much, it's much different than, you know, um, the other day I watched accepted just for fun. 
and you know you're like this is about to be silly as shit <laughs> you know you you got you got all all kinds of wacky wacky songs needle drops in that movie and, and they're both fine you know they both they both can work right but there's something about ran where you're like buckle up you're about to watch a proper fucking movie you know and i i love that feeling i love when i'm kind of like on my own no one's I'm by myself and I'm like, this is what I fucking do, baby. <laughs> you know, this, this is what I do. <laughs> like I, 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 I like feed off of that. And I do think that, you know, you have to prepare yourself to watch certain movies. You know, you have to enter a mindset like I'm about to watch a comedy. I'm about to watch a horror movie. I'm about to watch a Japanese epic. And you got to kind of prepare yourself mentally for the journey you're about to go on. I do, I do think that's the thing. And I've started to do that myself and it's made, you know, the transition easier. You know, if I go from like, you know, Tommy boy to ran, I'm going to need to think differently. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. That's, that's one of my favorite things though, is you get to kind of live your different personalities in the blink of an eye. You know, you, you get to literally do that on your own. You're like, I'm going to change from this to this. Like you get to show yourself how many hats you have, you know, it's, it's really, really quite invigorating. <laughs> I'll say, uh, moving on to the, 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 the award that I'm really curious to hear what you got. Uh, the Philip Seymour Hoffman best performance of the movie. Who do you got? Performances are really good in this movie, but no one was taking this away from Tatsuya Nakadai as <laughs> yes. Lord Hidetora. I mean, holy shit, is just putting in a clinic here. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, like, come on. Like, how is he not up? How is he not nominated here? From the start, when he's just sitting there while they're having lunch and he's just observing his, you know, cabal here and just thinking, like, I fucking hate all of you. <laughs> But one of you has to carry on my legacy. Who's it going to be? Yeah. <laughs> but he just slumps over. And then the other one of the guys goes and puts a tree on, like, over him. Like, that'll help me get, get some points. <laughs> God. Yeah, it's great. And just the, you know, the interactions he has with his sons and then just learning, you know, growing a conscience as he watches the carnage unfold around him because of his decision. And in the end, you know, pretty much dying of heartbreak over, you know, the last person he loved dying in his arms. Like, holy shit, man. Like it's a journey. This guy goes on and I, it's, you know, character growth in the best way. And he really sells it. Yeah. Yeah. Get him, get him in that category. You know, uh, at, at this ceremony, you know, William Hurt took the win for kiss of the spider woman. Harrison Ford was up for witness. James Garner for Murphy's romance. Mr. Jack Nicholson for Pritzy's Honor and John Voigt for Run- Runaway Train. Get, get him in there. Get him in that group. That's the group he, he can compete with. Oh, yeah. I don't, there have been very few Asian actors up for acting awards. Like, very few. Yeah. yeah. There have been a lot of yellow face uh, white actors up, which is fucked up. But, yeah, this, is, this guy is outshining all of them. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, 100%. I mean, I, I like all these guys, right? I mean, you know, Jack Nicholson's one of my favorite actors ever. I think Runaway Train is one of the most underrated 80s movies I've ever seen. But, like, I'm I'm taking... You know who I'm taking. I'm taking Tatsuya over John Voight. <laughs> you know, like, he, it's just... I don't know. It's just one of those iconic performances that I'm never going to forget the first time I saw it. I'm never going to forget just how, how I could see 
the influence happening. You know, I could see actors that I love now for the past 40 years watching this movie and being like, wow, that guy like was on, that guy was on to something. Someone who has to play someone who's significantly older than who they are as a human being. It's just like, wow, really inspiring. Uh, I, f- I found, I found him to be one of the easier Hoffman awards I've given out in a while. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Especially when I found out that he's, you know, not a 90 year old, like, you know, white haired elderly gentleman, just, Doing it, just doing a great job working with the makeup. Yeah, just incredible, incredible stuff. So yeah, thought, yeah, I'm glad we're on the same page there. Uh, let's see where we're at with the Roger Deakins Award, best scene of the movie. This was, I, I had written down a few things here. Uh, I had the the initial exchange where he gives his son the castle and the, the pushback from that. I had that written down because I was just, I was blown away by the, like we're ten minutes into the movie and already it's yeah like, lights out, but. Yeah, uh, yeah. I ultimately went with when uh, Taro tricks his father and leads him into a trap and has his entire army slaughtered. And he's just sitting there in the temple, just kind of waiting. He's like, just, you know, what have I done? How has it come to this? Everyone around him is dying horribly. There's that one guy who gets trampled by a horse. I don't know how they did that without actually trampling a guy. Yeah. Uh, and then out of nowhere, like Taro gets shot in the back. And we're just like, dude, what? yeah, shot. Like, yeah. You, like shot by a fucking rifle. You know, you see, see a lot of like f- literal flaming arrows flying out of this, flying out of the air. And you, I, I was just like, oh my God, this movie is sick. You know, there's just arrows you know, coming out of people's bodies and they're on horses. And when you see, yeah, the, poof, like you hear the, the pow of the gunshot, you're like, there goes like the main character. <laughs> There's our bad guy. I, I half expected to see the great Lord, like at the window with a fucking sniper rifle. Like, gotcha. No. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was red sun. He's holding a fucking Colt 45. Just pop, pop. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, yeah. I, I was, I, I was, there were times during this movie where I was smiling. Cause I was just like, Holy shit, this is crazy. You know, it was like one of those fuck. <laughs> There's a there's a lot going on going on on the screen right now. That's a that was a great scene. I I kind of went through the same process where I wrote down the I was like oh my god I just wrote down like family meeting at the beginning of the movie and then I wrote down first battle uh, and then and then something happened where I was oh this is right up my alley this is weird fucked up just uh, tension uh, uh, to the max and it's when it's when lady lady Kaida like manipulates Jiro cuts his throat <laughs> you know and he's like what the fuck you're overreacting and then she starts laughing like the Joker you know and she's like <laughs> I was like whoa like where did this performance come from and then she goes up to him and starts fucking licking the wounds and starts like making out with him and I was like oh, I guess they're gonna fuck <laughs> this is insane this is insane and all of it's a, all of it is her just trying to just weasel her way in, you know, and, and she wants to take control because she's still upset about their dad destroying her family. And I was like, man, this is a good scene. And I love when she when she looks at him like, you have to kill the woman you're in love with. I I can't imagine someone sleeping with you or, or even the thought of it. You know, you have to kill her. And he's like, yes, I have to kill her. <laughs> it's just, he's just been totally 
totally pussy whipped like after after one go around with Lady Kaida. I was like, God, this is a insane scene for we need these kind of scenes in these epic stories because th- they make it to where um, I'm going to try to explain it. This might be a little long winded, but we need these like sexual manipulative scenes in these kind of movies, these period pieces from years and years ago, because people have always been this way. This is one of the reasons I did really like game of Thrones was people acted like fucking people, you know, they're still like, primal fucking nasty animals and they'll kind of just like eat drink sleep fuck you know like that's like what a lot of humans have done over time and i like when that's implemented in whether it be fantasy or old you know period pieces from a much further century it's one of my biggest problems with lord of the rings it's like well it's it's fucking tolkien right he's not gonna go there (laughs) so so like it's one of the things where i'm like these people aren't acting like people you know and and I, i i love that this scene was in ran because i was like that made it that made it like so you know humanizing you know it made it like i i really believe the stakes right now like this woman getting involved sleeping with one of the sons and being like now my hat's into the ring bitches you know now i'm competing with these brothers let's get it on you know i was like fuck that's when i kind of i was already really into the movie but after that i was like buckle up this is about to get nuts and sure enough it did yeah, it's nice to have a moment of like, you know, you fuckers have stepped on me long enough. It's time for me to step on you. And I'll and I'll use what I have to use to fucking get there. You know, like yeah. like I know my I know my power. I know what it is with this idiot. I'm gonna use it. I don't care about him. And he, and he just fucking folds like a little <laughs> he's just, he's like, Yeah, she slept with me, so I gotta do what do what she says. You know? it's like uh god i've seen movies where that happens in modern modern times where like the guy's just like you know whatever has an affair and is like yeah well now you know this is shinier and better so like i gotta go with this thing and they go back to like explain it to their wife and they're like hey (laughs) i was like this is cool to see in a way different time you know where, where it's not being explained through like an iphone like i just thought it was really fascinating yeah it goes back to kurosawa really demonstrating the vulnerability of people in Jiro's case. It was, you know, he is very insecure about everything and she knew how to exploit that and manipulate her way around it. You know, Taro had confidence, but he, his ass is dead. Yeah. Like fantastic. Just, just brilliant stuff. Like, God, this movie kicks ass, man. Uh, There's, there's like five, there's scenes after that too, where I was like, geez, I mean, the last battle is like, good god this is epic you know yeah. uh, when, and, 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 it, and it pays off so i don't know when the great lord's like hugging his son and being like finally somebody i can trust and then he's immediately shot off his horse <laughs> yeah. Like, <what>? yeah. <laughs> oh i shouldn't be laughing but he's like he's like behind his son like oh like hugging him like like a like a bear and then he, he gets shot and he's like no surely that wasn't <laughs> <laughs> that shot wasn't meant for my son. Yeah, you know that that bullet had his fucking it, name written on it, and it breaks him. He's just like no, like screaming, like oh my Damn god, it. yeah. And then he's like, it's too much for him. His heart gives out. Yeah, he literally dies, dies from from grief. Yeah, yeah. and everyone's just like, what the hell do we do now? <laughs> this this movie is a train wreck. <laughs> Just, oh god yeah man it's just like I, I was like exhausted by the end of it but also just like holy shit i watched something real good 
I, ca- I, I called my brother, Jeremy, because I was like, oh, this is right up his alley. Oh, boy. Uh, he was at work, but I texted him anyway, and I was like, dude, go ahead and watch Rand. Like, you need you need to see it. And he was like, I've owned it for, like, a couple years. Like, I, yeah, I need, I need to watch it. Like, he's like, perhaps I'll do that this week. And I'm, I'm really hoping he gets around to it, because, I, I, like, this has my brother's name written all over it, you know, these epic kind of nasty nasty stories that are like people still do this stuff you know people still go this could be made in 2023 you could you could modernize it to you know fucking some car dealership guy who's got three sons and he's like all right you're taking this you know this lot and you're taking this lot and you're taking this lot and they they start fucking like murdering each other over over like the mercedes <laughs> you know and i and like it would probably be really good on you know in the right hands uh so just timeless yeah if you ever need that you know if you want to start your own work and you like you know write something of yours you can model it after shakespeare no one's gonna stop you (laughs) not at all (laughs) it's public domain it's original building blocks of storytelling you can trace almost every modern story back to shakespeare and yeah i could see you know i'd love to see this done over like you know i mean we saw it kind of done with the mafia with the godfather but yeah, this is a it's a timeless tale of you know, hug your kids, don't whip your kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be be kind, you know. Be kind to your children and make sure they're ready for things when you're about to give them to them. <laughs> somebody somebody once told me like always be nice to your kids because they're the ones who choose your nursing home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good yeah. This, this movie gonna, is a great yeah. example of of that. Pretty much, like you know, if you treat your kids like shit, they're gonna destroy everything you built. <laughs> yeah fuck your legacy yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's true it's fucking true man uh yeah god what a great movie i'm really really glad we got to be like just kinda, i just kind of randomly chose this you know i was like yeah i think we need to do another kurosawa uh, I, this this happens man every time we do a movie that neither of us neither of us have seen we can just get rewarded we just get rewarded you know last time we did it with bicycle thieves their foreign movie we were both like this is pretty damn good you know uh and here here we are with ran uh i was pretty certain we'd both respond to it but it's clear that we both took a lot away and and have a lot more kurosawa to to get to which is very very exciting you know he's he's probably you know there's still a lot of hitchcock i want to see right you know he's just got this crazy filmography where it's like okay well i can take my time and kind of slowly knock out those movies kurosawa kind of has that about him where i'm like how exciting that I have this filmography to just whenever I want a lot of the stuff's on Criterion or HBO Max, you know, I can always just kind of take my time and go back into his filmography and, and have my own journey with, with Akira. It's like really cool. Yeah. Those are the, that's the best uh, result with all of these shows is finding a filmmaker you really respond to. And then, you know, opening the door to dozens of films that you might otherwise have ignored. It's it's been fantastic. I found that a lot on Filmgasm with random horror directors, and definitely here with people like Kurosawa, and definitely Hitchcock. Uh, Fellini, I didn't really respond to that much. Yeah, that's that's, that's quite all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what other what other? I'm trying to think if there's any other filmmakers that we've both like kind of almost adopted as as our own because of this show. I feel like it happens a lot with you know specific films like. We we obviously always bring up Elmer Gantry as being like, holy shit, this was sick. I guess, I guess we could kind of look at John Huston. Yeah, 
treasure yeah. of the Sierra Madre really, really got us to go, oh, okay, hold on. Like this guy's got stuff in his bag. Absolutely. Um, I'm going through our filmography now. Filmography. <laughs> the the Oscar kind of- Sunday filmography. <laughs> uh, uh, for me, uh, Spike Lee. I got, to, um, yeah, yeah. I got to see all of his work and that was incredibly rewarding. Uh, yeah, we've uh, explored a lot of guys. Um, I want to look at more of Hal Ashby's work. Mm, yeah, we were pretty, pretty impacted there. Yeah. Yeah, this is, yeah, I, I'm never, I'm never let down. For the most part, even if the movie's not great, I know the conversation's going to be great. Yeah, yeah, I I definitely hear you on that. Uh, yeah, I've 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 been <clears throat> been quite excited every week to do this show, and that's you know that's that's the goal. True foe, that's that's the big one. Oh, Francois, yeah. Oh man, Francois, day for night. Oof, that's a movie. Well, we 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 watched that four hundred blows, and we we're like, yep, all right, that's about not. <laughs> If if you made those two movies, all right, cool. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> yeah, I I believe you. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's yeah. God, man, that was fucking sick, sick movie. Day for night. I really like that one. That's another one we both went into blind. You know, neither of us had had seen it. And we ended up yeah having a blast talking about Truffaut versus Godard. You know, and just kind of like that French New Wave conversation. Um, yeah, man, I I just eat this shit up. It's great. Uh, well, let's look at let's look at some some ceremony stuff because we do have we both have seen a handful of uh, 1985 Oscar movies. We did Back to the Future on like episode 20, and we went to this ceremony, <clears throat> and you, so we both watched, uh, I believe, the five screenplay nominees. Yeah, original screenplay. So yeah, we've we've been to this ceremony before. It's been a long time, over a hundred episodes. So it's nice to be back. So we are familiar with a lot of these movies. This, uh, you know, this is a big year for the color purple and uh, out of Africa. Not a huge fan of either of those, but there are some gems from this ceremony. So this will be fun to kind of kind of look at. You know, uh, <clears throat> we have one win for costume design, so we can you know look at that towards the end. But uh, there's three other categories we can go through. Again, I'm looking at the foreign language and I'm like, why? Why? <laughs> don't, it's one of the most baffling things. There had to be a reason. Had to be. Well, here's the thing, though. Do we want to take the win away from the official story? No, no. That's the thing. Is like that Argentinian film is fucking sick, right? Yeah. And it was also up for screenplay. Love that movie. It's not so much that I want to take that away, but it's like, how, how was Rand not even up? Yeah, I wonder if there's got to be some red tape or like somebody, you know, he forgot to put the tape in the mail or something. Uh, you're looking at the category now. Are is there a Japanese movie up? No, we got Argentina, Federal Republic of Germany, Hungary, France, and Yugoslavia. What a time! Oh my god, yeah, pre pre 1989, you know, before like a lot of <laughs> lot of things, like pre early 90s. Well. Uh, world was vastly different just 35 years ago <laughs> where the wall fell it was yeah europe was interesting <laughs> yeah yugoslavia is now like you know a bunch of different countries <laughs> it's crazy <laughs> god yeah. man the, the world is fascinating uh fascinating indeed uh let's start with 
Uh, let's do art direction. Art direction looks like the, the, the one that's listed at the bottom here for uh, Ran. Let's see. On the Oscar website, I believe they're fucking like... Yeah, they're, they have them they have them in like an alphabetical order on the Oscar website. Like, why? Fucking... Just the Academy always gets giving me problems. <laughs> I always just use Wikipedia. I like their layout way better. I, I do too. For some reason... Recently, Wikipedia like stopped working on my laptop. Oh. Oh. You I'm know what it's what? you know what it's done for me. It's forced me to like do more real research. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> like if I'm if I'm reading about something, I'm not like ah, oh, just go to the fucking Wikipedia page and just get basic facts. That is hilarious. Uh, yeah. Um, well, I've got them queued up here. If you want, if you want them. Well, I, I I've got them. Once I realized they're fucking alphabetical, you know, <laughs> fucking shit. <laughs> Uh, best art direction. The winner is out of Africa beating uh, Brazil. Jesus, that's my winner. Uh, the color purple ran and witness. That's a cool group. I've got to see out of Africa and the color purple. I have not seen those. Those are the two. You haven't seen color purple. It's Mr. Spielberg. I know it's one of the few Spielbergs I've yet to watch. Interesting. Yeah. Obviously you'll have to see both of those when we do a best picture showdown. Cause they were, the two top dogs at that at that ceremony both collected a bunch of bunch of nominations and a bunch of awards. So yeah, I, I guess you can save that for doing the showdown. It'll be cool to watch both those movies for the first time in the same week. <laughs> yeah, I, I bought Out of Africa. Like I, I'm ready there. So yeah, I'll just my my mom is just obsessed with that movie. So I saw it when I was kind of young. Uh, didn't really respond to it when I was a kid. <laughs> But you know, need to see it. Need to see it again because I do like you know like the cast members. So uh, yes, yeah. I think it's the only like Rotten Tomato Best Picture winner. Oh, that that's an interesting project. Yeah, it's a them. negative score movie. Yeah, interesting. Over time, people are just like, nah, <laughs> <laughs> no thanks. Um, what about Driving Miss Daisy? That one's still positive. Amazingly, yeah. <sighs> Whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, I too give the win to Brazil. I mean, in terms of art direction, that movie is remarkably original and just creating this, you know, fascist British future that looks really weird. I, I like can't handle how cool Brazil is. It's just one of my favorite movies from the 80s. Uh, brilliant, brilliant stuff. I believe you gave me or bought me your uh, the Criterion edition of that movie. I'm, I'm almost positive. Probably. I tend to do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't really buy movies anymore because I'm like, well, Connor like just gives me like five at a time, <laughs> so fuck it. And it's always like a grab bag of just all right, cool shit, you know. Uh, well, when random. I, you know, I end up like replacing a lot of my stuff with like you know Blu-rays of it or 4Ks of it, then I'm like, do I want them to just rot on a sh- on a warehouse shelf at Half Price Books is like surplus warehouse, or do I want somebody to get something out of them? So. Yeah, and I'm 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 one of the people that uh, just doesn't care too much about the quality of it as long as I have the physical copy to just have. And if I do need to break it out, I'll break it out because I'll be honest, I don't watch a lot of my DVDs and Blu-rays and and whatnot. I just I so many streaming services. <laughs> I had that problem. I've since decided to do something about it, which is why I've been watching all of my owned movies. Yes. I'm like, if I'm going to own them, I got to have something to say. I love I love that. Uh, I do, I do. Most of the time, I don't buy movies I haven't seen. Most of the time, 
like unless I know I'm going to use it for this show, like this podcast. For me, it's like if it's cheap, why not? <laughs> I'll yeah. give it a shot. What's two? What's two bucks to be? Yeah, so, <laughs> I've done that a lot. <laughs> I did it a lot today. It's it's adding up actually. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's so great. Uh, best cinematography. Love this category. The winner is Out of Africa, beating The Color Purple, Murphy's Romance, Ran, and Witness. Everybody get the fuck out. Ran is taking this by a landslide. Yeah, hard to argue with that. Uh, Haven't seen Murphy's Romance either. Doesn't look like a groundbreaking film, but you know what? That doesn't look like one that Connor and Austin are going to do on the show. (laughs) Yeah, I love Sally Field. I like James Garner. Mm Mm-hmm. But uh, I'll, I'll I'll watch it when I need to. <laughs> yeah, Brazil should be here too. Uh, yeah, uh, but yeah, Ran. This is this film looks incredible. Yeah, it's fucking breathtaking. This movie, you know, it's like uh, it's not like on Boogie Nights. There's that one bit where uh, Mark Wahlberg, uh, Brock Landers is is in that restaurant sitting at a bar and he's like got a toothpick, and the girl comes in and is like, I heard the food's good here. He's like, good? It's not good. It's fucking excellent. It's, it's probably the best food in all of Los Angeles. <laughs> it's, 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 how, it's how I feel about what you just said. Good? It's not good. It's fucking excellent. <laughs> it's one of my favorite quotes from the movie. It's just like, God, it's just how pornos, that's how the dialogue is. It's just <laughs> I can I can totally see you being in like, the Academy Museum or like somewhere where somebody's talking about Kurosawa and they're like, yeah, he's pretty good. And you just snap back around and are like, good. Well, let me tell you some things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's probably, it's probably the best actor in all of Japan or best director in all of Japan. Yeah. Yeah. I always, God, I love that scene, you know, uh, Brock Landers, absolute legend. Uh, let's see. Best, best director, right? Mm-hmm. Here's, a, right. here's, here's a category. Sidney Pollack got the win for Out of Africa, beating Hector Babenko for A Kiss of the Spider Woman, John Huston, Pritzi's Honor, Akira Kurosawa for Ran, and Peter Weir's Legend for Witness. <laughs> That's a hell of a group. Yeah, it's a kind of random, but but still heavy hitters. Yeah. I haven't seen <laughs> I hate doing this. But I have to, you know, I'm not going to lie. I haven't seen Kiss of the Spider Woman or Pritzi's Honor. Uh, I haven't seen, I, I, I've seen Kiss of the Spider Woman, but I don't really count it because, I, yeah, I, I don't like to count movies I've seen like years and years ago. And I don't really remember much of what happens, you know? Yeah. I don't, that like, really, I try to keep it like the past like eight or nine years. Like in my like adult life, do I remember actually sitting down and watching this movie? So, a lot of the time, I'm like, yeah, sure, I've, I've like laid my eyes on it, but do I really know how I feel about it? No. Yeah, that's how I I kind of measure mine in like pre-film gasm and post-film gasm, like as of 2014. That, that's that's kind of perfect. Yeah, that's my marker. That, that's where I'm at because that's when movies changed for me in my own life was 2014. We've talked about this before. It just so happens that even though I didn't know you in 2014, you and Caleb were going through the same thing, and so you did a little thing building a website to to share your thoughts on movies and when at that time i was like "Ah, i love this stuff you know at at age 19 that year changed my life so really 
I'm also post 2014. I haven't seen it since then, uh, you know, or after then. If it was before then, I, it doesn't really count. I like to think that while Caleb and I were building that website and deciding like anything goes, open the floodgates, let's talk about whatever we want. You felt a disturbance in the force and weirdly had the same thoughts of like, yeah, you know what? I should, I don't know why, but I should do this. <laughs> oh, for sure. That definitely happened. I, I, I believe in that, you know, I don't know if, I don't know if God's real or anything, but I, I do think, uh, I do think there is, there are like waves, there are waves of energy that, that, that go throughout and whether or not you and I are supposed to meet each other. Like, I don't know about all, all that, but it does make sense to me that we did. <laughs> I think John Houston, Akira Kurosawa and Cindy Pollock were up there and we're like, let's, let's arrange something. These kids need to meet each other. <laughs> no, that's great. Yeah. And, and in 2014, Damien Chazelle, Wes Anderson, you know, David Fincher and these guys were like, you know, Alejandro and Yurito were like, yeah, yeah, these guys need to meet. Uh, Christopher Nolan was like, well, hey, what about me? You know, <laughs> I'm really, I'm really the one that changed these two guys' life. You know, come on. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's it's hilarious when I think about like at the time in 2014, Caleb was such a Nolan fan, and now he fucking despises him. Yeah, yeah, I think I think I'm in the middle of you and him. I don't despise him, but I don't really like love him. Yeah. I'm not sure if you love him, but I know you respect him a like his work. I like his work. I think he, I think him as a human being, he has made some questionable decisions in terms of, you know, how much he thinks people value him. He thinks he's God's gift yeah. to film and is like, everyone should be goddamn thankful to look at my work. And I'm like, buddy, slow the fuck down. Like as far as like great directors working today, you ain't scraping the top 10. So sit down. Okay. Okay. So maybe you're closer to me than I thought. <laughs> I like his work, but you know what? I, I I would like him to shut the fuck up for a while. Yeah, I just I, I yeah I just can't stand the holier holier than thou yeah. aspect. Like, Not only of him, but yeah. you can see it. You can see it in his movies. You're like, okay, dude, come off it. Like, we get it. We fucking get it. <laughs> but with that, I fully intend to see Oppenheimer as like I want to see that. That's the most anticipated movie I like for me since like Interstellar. Yeah, nobody really liked Tenet, and that kind of set him off. <laughs> yeah, nobody, nobody, nobody really liked Tenet, including myself. Thought it, that was pretty bad. Uh, I did. I thought Dunkirk was pretty cool. Like, I really enjoyed some aspects of it. Uh, I was a little let down by others, but I, I did think it was like a unique, you know, unique film. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm like way more like pre Batman is like is the stuff I like. Yeah, I'm. Apart from Batman, the Prestige wins, but uh, Presti- Prestige is not pre-Batman, but yeah, it's like right after Begins, two thousand six. So like that's mid Batman. Yeah, it's I I see it as a, a pre-Batman Nolan movie. The way he was like operating as a film, I thought I think the Prestige is his best movie. So yeah, and you know, uh, Memento I think is sick. So yeah, I, I like that stuff better. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I just that makes me laugh. Uh, director for me. I would give this to to Kurosawa. I, it would be a bit of a. Would you consider it a career Oscar, or is this the film he should win for? Such a good. I love love that. You know, uh, it would definitely look like a career. It, it looks like a career nomination is what it what it looks like already. But if it was a win, obviously, you know, the gold means a lot more than just your name being 
on a ballot. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's it's kind of like we've talked about this with Al Pacino winning for, you know, winning for a movie that, you know, Scent of a Woman that, yeah, it's not his best work. But like, if you just break down the, the nominees from the year, I, I would vote for Denzel for Malcolm X, but I get it. You know, I get it. I thought Al Pacino is really good in that movie. Do I like his 70s stuff better? Of course I do, because I'm fucking human, you know? But if you just look at these five, like Kurosawa, yeah, like Kurosawa knocked it out of the park. If it was a different year or he's going against different competition, maybe he maybe he loses. Maybe he's not even nominated, you know? I, I try I try to look at it like what happened that year. It's very difficult because there is always the career, the career things in the way, you know? Uh there's been huge, huge actors and, and directors that like Jeff Bridges winning for Crazy Hearts. Like, yeah, but like it, it was a pretty good performance. A lot yeah. of people were like, but a lot of people were like, yeah, but he's been nominated for about 40 years straight now and has never, never won. And so I, I don't know. I was, I've always been torn on that, that discussion because I get, I get it. It's like, yeah, but what about this? What about that? You have to always look at the competition within, you know, you look, you look at Pacino. Like, yeah, he went against some badass motherfuckers in the 70s, you know? Like, he's dealing with the likes of, you know, Jack Lemmon and Jack Nicholson and guys who are just, like, lights out, you know? It's hard. It's hard to win. Yeah. Yeah. I'll never for the life of me understand how Art Carney beat those guys until I watch Harry and Tonto. But Me, I don't even want to watch it because it's like, well, it better blow my fucking socks off or I'm going to be angry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like being angry. <laughs> yeah, you you beat Michael Corleone and Jake Giddis and Lenny Bruce. Yeah, but, are you are you sure? Yeah, <laughs> come again. Yeah. <laughs> oh Jesus! But um, yeah, I gotta check out. I gotta check out Out of Africa because of the Spider Woman, Pritzi's honor. Before I can really make a informed total decision here, but from what I have seen, Kurosawa gets it. Yeah, I I think I think we. Through the showdowns is where we do get to make those calls. Like we get to make those informed decisions, not based on what we think from the year. Because of course we put motherfucking Robert Zemeckis in there, baby, you know, but within the category, what was nominated, that's part of the show. That's part of what we do. You know, we do, we do take what they give us. That's the context. And when we do the showdowns by default, when you watch a bunch of best picture nominees, you're also going to watch a bunch of other nominees from different categories. And then we can both be like, hey, we've watched these movies over the past couple of weeks. We have a good idea of what we think about them. Let's talk about all the categories. So that's that's what those episodes are for, is to really unleash all the homework that we do on, on, on those ceremonies. So, yeah, I, I, I hear you on that. I hear you on, you know, seeing those other movies. And when we do, I'm sure Kurosawa will still be very much in the conversation. Yeah, but if, if Zemeckis was there, you know, I, I have loyalties. <laughs> He's like your family. Yeah. Like that's my dad. You know, uh, Zemeckis is your, is your director father. Yeah. So, I mean, can't, you can't, you can't really take that away. So I, I get it. I get it. And I, I do think back to the future should have been up for a shit ton of stuff. So that's a whole nother, whole nother conversation. R- Runaway train. I, I nominate for a million things. Also written by Akira Kurosawa. Fucking crazy. Yeah, that is fucking wild. Uh, uh, let's see. Last one, costume design. This is the win for 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 Ran. I think her name is Emmy Wada. 
She got the win for costume design. Rightfully so. This is this is a good win. Uh, the other nominees are Aggie Gerard Rogers for the color purple. Interesting name there. Aggie. Uh, the Albert Wolski for the journey of Natty Gan. <laughs> uh, Milena Cananero for Out of Africa. And Don Feld for Pritzi's Honor. <laughs> Just Don Feld. Yeah, his name's Donald Lee Feld, but he goes by Don Feld. All so women. sick. I wish I, I wish I had a name like that where I could just <laughs> mash it all together. <laughs> I uh of course he's you know the fashion guy would be the one to do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen these films, so I gotta give it to Rand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Journey of Natty Gan, not sure what what is that? It's a Disney movie. Mm, okay. uh, starring John Cusack, Lainey Kazan, and Ray Weiss. Uh it's about a tomboy during the Great Depression. Mm. I, don't, I don't know. This sounds uh, very live action Disney doll. You, you you slightly had me at Ray Weiss for like a second, and then I was like, yeah, nah, Disney live action probably gonna be corny as hell. Nah, I, like I I I think I'm think I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get it. Uh, uh, costume design again. You know, Back to the Future or Brazil. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Brazil, Brazil, and Back to the Future, some pretty, pretty good movies. Yeah, pretty, pretty decent. We we do both love the official story. That's that's one we both both liked a lot. We did the screenplay, uh, screenplay. What other ones did we watch from that? Let's see. Um, what's the fucking? I'm trying to remember it without actually looking at it. The fucking Woody Allen movie, uh, Purple Rose of Cairo. There you go. We kind of like that, right? That was pretty good. Yeah, I enjoyed that. You know, with Woody Allen, I always got to be like, uh, like, what variation of neurotic weirdo in New York is this going to be? But that was different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so that, that category is Witness winning Back to the Future, Brazil, The Official Story, and Purple Rose of Cairo. And we watched all of those movies when we did Back to the Future. Uh yeah yeah these 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 other films Pritzi's Honor Kiss the Spider Woman Color Purple and Out of Africa just show up over and over at this ceremony. Yeah, they do, and I, I like the variety of. That's a very solid, cool bunch for best screenplay, and I like that a it, lot. Yeah, it is a very very unique uh, screenplay category. I, I I always love that. It's one of our favorite categories for a reason because you do get different kinds of stories. Sometimes you know, especially in more more you know modern times like 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 the incredibles was up for screenplay you know like that that's really cool that a category kind of shines a light on different kinds of stuff so i i've always i've always loved the adapted and original i've always loved both yeah exactly it's the you know foundation of any film is words on a page yeah is someone come up with an idea or stealing an idea (laughs) (laughs) that happens quite a lot yes and and I'm, i'm okay with it if you do it the right way uh yeah good, good stuff ran ran four nominations overall it you know it has its hat in the ring but not quite not quite up to up to par with these other heavy hitters so i am excited to one day do a a showdown with the with the uh, 1985 and be able to you know talk about those movies and talk about all the categories at, at length uh and we'll be able to bring brand back in the conversation with that and back to the future so that'll be really really unique uh this has been a blast um, super excited to keep moving forward in 2023, doing 
big fun fantastic movies we got oscar nominations later this month we got the oscars in march march 12th so we'll, we'll be doing fun stuff for both of those you know uh as as we get closer and closer and i know you and i are going to try to watch this we made a pact on sneak preview last year we were like we're gonna watch you remember this vaguely continue we we were like let's watch as much if we can all of them every movie that's nominated if we can if it's accessible right like some of the shorts and foreign stuff is hard to get to we were like let's watch as many of them as we can pre march 12th and i'm you know i'm i think we're gonna i think we can handle you know if we get on the same page and we like hey we help each other out on where to find stuff i think it's possible that we knock out you know 80 to 90 percent of stuff that's up Damn, I, yeah, you know what? I think we can. At this point, I think we've both already made a significant dent considering what we think is going to be Correct. up. I'm, I, can, I think we can make that happen. I definitely think we can make it happen. The work that we're going to have to do is finding the foreign films. Uh, there is a theater here in San Antonio, the uh, Santicos Embassy, that does show the short films back to back to back. So I'm hoping you and I can find a day to do that together and just knock it out that way. Uh, and then I'll have some animated movies to watch for sure, because I'm not quite, I don't have my, like, I haven't watched the new Pinocchio yet, you know, the, the del Toro one. So I, I do have work to do. Of course we both do, but it, it's doable. Prediction. I think this is going to be one of the rare years where Disney does not take that Oscar. The, it, yeah. Cause what, what, what would it be? I don't see turning red light year, strange world, any of those being oscar worthy pinocchio no. is kind of the only one that i see that might take this i i think it's for sure I, everything i've read and listened to people are like it's it's like 100 percent del toro's to lose it's not bad I, I saw it wasn't bad a little overly long characters are kind of insufferable but unique take on pinocchio and you know he sings a poop song to benito mussolini didn't think i'd see that okay fair enough you know i I, 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 you know me. I love, I love Del Toro. I'm torn on some of his movies, but I do love the guy. I love his ambition. I love what he stands for. I, I absolutely love the uh, Mexican, uh, you know, trio that has kind of risen, risen. You know, Alfonso Cuarón, Alejandro Iñárritu, and uh, Del Toro. Those guys are all fucking giants when it comes to the film industry. So I do have a lot of respect for those guys. Uh, they all have their, you know, their qualities that I like in Del Toro is like the most creative and the most like out there and wacky. So yeah. I do want to see it. Um, yeah, man, I'm looking forward to, we got basically two months to just knock out as much 2022 stuff we, as we can. Like you said, we've got, a, we've got a head start this year, especially myself. Last year I was, I, I was way behind cause I like didn't care. I was like, yeah, whatever. I'll get to them when they come out. You know, I'll watch, I'll watch the best picture nominees when they come out and I'll, you know, I had seen like three or four of them, you know, like licorice pizza. Cause that, that's just my jam. But a lot of those I crunched in, like it, it, it was, it was like, uh, uh, anxiety ridden, you know, like what I was trying to do the week before the Oscars. So now I feel like I've got a leg up. There's supposed to be 10 nominees for best picture. I think I've already watched seven of the 10 that are going to be up from again, from what I've read, uh, the Vegas odds and all that stuff. So I'm always looking at those things just because it's interesting. It's it's funny that there's Vegas odds for Oscar nominations, you know, there's, there's like, ah, Babylon has this so-and-so chance to, you know, be up for, for best picture. I, I love that. Like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's Vegas odds for literally everything, everything, yeah, like yeah. everything. It's kind of disgusting, but also, also awesome. 
Anyways, <laughs> this week on the show, we got a really uh, wide variety of movies that we're going to be t- uh, tackling on Filmgasm. We're going back to Nightmare on Elm Street this time. It's the the sequel, second one, Freddy's Revenge. So that'll be fun. Uh, that's, I'm guessing, Josh. Yeah, that's going to be me and Josh. We're going to look into... This film was eviscerated when it came out. Like, people hated it. But it's since been reclaimed due to a documentary that came out uh, called Scream Queen, which talks about the um, homosexual identity crisis that's within Freddy's Revenge that was very unique to the time. So we're going to talk about kind of this reevaluation of Freddy's Revenge that's happened in the last couple of years. Okay, that's cool. I like that. That's a good, good, good reason to do a podcast. Uh, I, I, I kind of like that one. I'm not crazy about it. I'm not crazy about Nightmare on Elm Street to begin with. I like the first one. I think it's fun. I think it's entertaining. I think it's a good time. I'm just not as jazzed about it as I am about other 70s and 80s, you know, horror like kind of staples. That's that's just me. You know, that's just, that's just that's just who that's just who I am. But but I get it. You know, I'm not gonna sit here and ridicule people who who, who love you know Nightmare on Elm Street. Of course. A lot of big Freddy Krueger fans out there. So it is, it is a good time. What's not a good time is this movie called Failure to Launch. <laughs> it's beyond the bad, uh, taking it to, 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 to a dangerous place. <laughs> I tell you what, you guys are going to tear that movie to shreds. I've seen it. It's bad. <laughs> yeah, Caleb declared that we are finally dipping our toes into the vast algae-filled pool that is rom-coms. So this is our kind of first foray into that. And judging from our potentials list, far from our last. And I'm not looking forward to those because they're all kind of the same bullshit. But this is, you know, pre-Maconnaissance Matthew. So let's do it. You know what's what's great about that that algae-filled pool of movies? Is they always have actors that you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> You know, like that's can with without fail, no matter what happens, you can always know that you're going to be able to have a conversation about some star who can who has the potential to do really cool stuff like a Matthew McConaughey. And you're like, well, what exactly was that? You know, like <laughs> you just really needed the money, didn't you? You know, like you're you're you needed a paycheck in 2006. So I get it. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. It's bad. This, this have you have you like looked at this movie like at all? Like, do you know anything about it? Do you? I know it's on Paramount Plus, and I know it's about like a thirty-something-year-old who like lives with his parents, and his parents are like, "Get the hell out!" And he's like, "But I haven't done nothing." And so they hire Sarah Jessica Parker as like a person who like gets adults out of houses. I don't fuck. Is that, that's not a job, and has her like. I'm assuming they fall in love shocking right black ambition but he still looks like matthew mcconaughey (laughs) yeah i uh, oh man yeah i mean here's the i'm gonna read you the cast list and you're gonna be like what the fuck but the like just the and i would this is why i would have so much fun on beyond the bad just the little the little imdb like you know mini mini summary is a 30 something is still living with his parents until they hire an interventionist to help him graduate out of the house. Dot dot dot. That's when the fun begins. Oh my god. <laughs> and the and the cast. Of course you got Matthew McConaughey, Sarah Jessica Parker. How about Kathy Bates? 
Tracks. How about Zoe Deschanel? How about Bradley Cooper? Bradley uh. motherfucking Cooper. How about Rob Corddry? Patton Oswalt. Like, what are all these people? Uh, doing? Are those are those his like pothead buddies who are like, dude, you're perfect. You don't got to move out of mom's basement. I bet. <laughs> dude, you're shredded. It's fine. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I I've seen that movie and it's been a long time, but I remember just being like, whoa, I just wasted an hour and a half of my life. <laughs> I just. I love yeah. how in 2006, a 30-year-old man living with his parents was considered failure, and now it's just what we got to do, because none of us can oh, afford yeah. houses. <laughs> it's, it, it's very, very, very normal. Yeah, now. It's just like, this good-looking guy, Matthew McConaughey, he's got a nice tan, and he's got curly hair, he's living at home? What is this? Oh, God, yeah, just, just no, just hard pass, but gonna make a great episode, I'm telling you, telling you, man. <laughs> I can't wait. i I've been listening to Beyond the Bad more and more, especially when I it's a movie that I have seen. Like y- y'all's waiting episode was fucking money, you know. Uh, and I know y'all actually kind of like that one a little bit, but it's it is fun to listen to people have the exact same thoughts I did when I first saw it, you know. Yeah. Uh, last but not least, next week on Oscar Sunday, we are tackling a sequel, something we haven't done that often on this show, but it's time. It's a birthday pick for Connor. Back to the Future, Part 2, 1989. Super stoked. I'm sure you are as well. Ah, of course. I've been waiting for an opportunity. And I, I came up with, I, like, I texted you this when I was in London after I watched the Back to the Future musical. And I'm like, dude, for my birthday, we're doing Part 2. Yeah, it, like that's when it hit you. you know? Yeah, I was you're immediately like, like I want to live in Hill Valley. If it ever is possible, I'm going through that portal and you're never going to see me again. This, this is it. Yeah, this is it. It's going to be a great time. We're just going to dive into that movie. We're going to dive into you know your your admiration for it. I'm going to rewatch probably all three of them uh, through the week just because I haven't seen part. I haven't seen Back to the Future Part One since we did it on the show. So uh, I watched it like two months ago. Yeah, you've probably seen it because that was episode twenty. It's, that's a hundred episodes ago. You that's two years ago. You've probably seen it ten I- times since then. I kept my, you know, my journal of everything I watched in 2022, about 650 odd films, and six of them were Back to the Future. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I believe it. I believe it. No regrets. It's my all-time favorite movie. It's comfort food. I'll put it on for just whatever the hell. And yeah, two and three are equal footing for me. I I love them all. Yeah, there you go. So unfortunately, the movie is not on a streaming service right now. But it is Back to the Future Part Two. Chances are, you can find it. You know, you should you should probably have a buddy who has it. Pop it in the old fucking Blu-ray player and have some fun. Uh, we're, yeah, we're, we're we're super stoked for that episode. It's gonna be gonna be a blast. It's gonna be fun for me to to go back back down that road. Always good to watch those movies, especially since becoming your friend. Because I know I'm going to your favorite movie of all time. So <laughs> it's 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 pretty cool. Uh. Keep uh keep following us on on you know the social media uh Instagram Twitter Facebook uh follow Connor on Letterboxd Connor nine five Jesus H he's got a a shit ton of reviews up up there now over two thousand uh all of his stuff that was on the website is now a lot easier to navigate it is just right there on his on on his Letterboxd ton, ton tons of content on Connor's page it's become it's become an addiction of his and you know uh here we are that's where his reviews are going to start going so 
filmgasm.com still going to be a hub for some of the stuff we do. We're still going to put out, you know, you know, YouTube stuff like trailers and whatnot. Well, you can listen to the podcast through there, uh, through our homepage, but the reviews that Connor churns out nonstop are going to be going to letterboxd. And if you follow me on letterboxd through my friend list, you can find Austin, Caleb, Josh, yep. Colton, and Adam. All of us have letterboxd. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's pretty crucial to my, my movie, um, my movie life. Yeah. Same. It's, it's yeah. I can't imagine. I, it's, it's what I've always <laughs> wanted to do cataloging all of it. And now I can. Yeah. And, 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 and I remember my brother was like, you, you don't have letterboxed, you know, it was like one of those. And I was like, well, what's that? <laughs> and he was like, Oh dear God, I shouldn't have told you, you know, <laughs> like he knew, he knew this is literally tailor made for you. And it's been around for years. Like where, where have you been? I'm like, I, I don't know, but I, yeah, I feel like I just found a drug and, and it's not good. I, I've only had it for a little over two years now. And yeah, it's just completely changed the way I, the way I operate and the way I track things. And, um, the way I interact with people I don't know about movies, you know, I have people I follow on there that they become some of my favorite writers, some of my favorite critics, and they're just people like us. That's great. I think it's cool. It can get toxic at times, and I hate those fuckers who go on there and just, just try to just destroy other people about their movie takes. It's like, all right, go, fucking get on Facebook, bitch. You know, we don't need you over here. So, of course, anything that's good has to be taken down just a little bit by people, but. That's okay. We can still have fun. So anyways, all of Connor's reviews are going to be on there moving forward. That's where you, you need to be going. It, it, there is a free version of Letterboxd if you don't have it. Uh, there's the Pro. It's like 40 bucks a year. And then there's the Patron, which is like, I don't know, 100 bucks a year. They all have like very good perks if you want to sign up for those. Uh, but, you know, it's up to you. It's up to you. How much do you really want to, you know, take up your life looking at movie stuff on, a, on, on your phone? <laughs> it's your it's your call but we we love it caleb loves it josh loves it my brother adam is obsessed with it as well my brother jeremy is obsessed with it as well so pretty much anybody who's shown up on this podcast has that shit and they really like it yeah on pretty much every podcast we've done if you've been here you have it i'm with a few exceptions but i'm working on that Hmm. (laughs) yeah yeah i have friends who i'm like you get you just got to get it you just got to get it i you don't even need to be a freak you just need to get it. You need to get it so you can see what other people say about things. You know, it does matter to like be a part of that, you know, that community part aspect of it, you know, uh, especially if you don't have a lot of friends, like real life friends who watch movies, you know, it's nice to be like, Oh, what, a what is this guy who I, I respect his thoughts about these movies? What does he think about this? You know, it's, it's, it's got value. It's got value. So yeah, have a blast with it. But, uh, Guys, keep watching movies. Fucking tear up 2023. We encourage everybody to just fucking stay strong. This is going to be a good year. If you, you know, stay positive. And uh, we'll see you guys on Wednesday back at uh, back at Nightmare on Elm Street.